My guest today is the amazing and very funny Hayley Jepson. She is the owner and creator of The Resilient Hairdresser, an online education platform that gives salon owners and their teams and freelancers the tools they need to avoid stress, anxiety and burnout. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hairdressing, business, beauty, products, people, interviews, fitness, health, well-being. I'm Nathan Plumridge and welcome to Hair Life. Welcome to Hair Life with me, Nathan Plumridge. My guest today is Hayley Jepson. Hayley, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. No worries. I've been really excited. I've been following your socials and I've been absolutely loving it. You are a bundle of energy on there. And I think I might steal a couple of your ideas because there's some <laughs> there's some great things on there. Thank um, you. That's kind. I've been no putting a bit of all. extra effort in recently. <laughs> Good. Yeah. It's working. I love it. So thanks. So today, uh, obviously, it, was it yesterday? I believe it was, was Blue Monday and that passed me by did it I can't believe somebody like you what was I doing I have no idea but we're going to find out so what I wanted to do today was to discuss basically our own personal mental health um, and maybe teach people the signs that we need to kind of look out for um, but also within our colleagues and within the workplace um, but I thought probably the best thing to do is I'm going to leave a lot of this to you so I would just love you to introduce yourself and tell the listeners about your experiences Okay, and so well, I'll tell you a little bit about what I do and then a little bit about how I came to do it. Fabulous. <laughs> I'll give you the quick version. And so right now I call myself a mental health coach for hairdressers uh, and I spend my days talking to hairdressers one-on-one about whatever it is they're struggling with. Uh, I also run a membership for salon owners, which helps them support their staff with um, mental health. And so I talk to salon owners and I do stuff for them. Uh, I talk on podcasts a lot because <laughs> I really like doing that. And yeah. I make reels. That's pretty much how I spend my days. And I build courses and education. I do sometimes, I'm joking. I do sometimes go into salons and teach workshops and stuff like that. So, and I run online courses for freelancers. So all that sort of thing. I'm always educating or coaching or talking mm-hmm. or I'm on a video. So that's basically how I spend my days. Uh, and how I came to do this job and how I, I sort of call it, how I have the right to talk to hairdressers about mental health is I was a hairdresser for 29 years. I gave up in the third lockdown. Uh, really and I well. gave up because my back went. I didn't give up for any other reason other than it's done. <laughs> and, you know, that ship has sailed now. My discs have said no more. Um, and so I can't stand up for that amount of time anymore. And so that's why I gave up. However, there was a period about 10 years ago where I was quite disillusioned with hairdressing and also suffering with depression. And I'd been having loads of therapy, buckets of it. Uh, And then I decided, I thought, I'm going to be a therapist. And so I actually did do it, which endlessly surprises me when I look back. I can't believe I had the staying power. But I did. I I went and trained to be a psychotherapist, which took four years. And then I left hairdressing and I practiced as a therapist for five years. Uh, and then the quick version is I felt it was quite a lonely career in the end. Once the novelty had worn off, I found it a bit of a lonely way of living. Mm-hmm. But I love the work. And so I ended up going back into, hair, into hairdressing and realized that I wasn't stressed out anymore by the things that used to really stress me out. And I put two and two together that the things I'd learned as a therapist were helping me. And I thought, I need to share this with other hairdressers. And slowly, that's how the Resilient Hairdresser was born. Brilliant. But that's also how I have 
the right to talk about mental health. You know, I've not just like Googled mindfulness and like, oh, this will be nice. I know some proper stuff about mental health and I know some proper, proper stuff about being a hairdresser. You know, I did stand behind the chair for 29 years. I was also a teacher. I taught MVQ. I did all the things, you know, and um, and so I understand what it's like to be a hairdresser. And I understand the struggles and I have some solutions now. <laughs> and that's fantastic because I think there's a lot of people at the minute who are out there who are basically coaching and teaching. And actually, a lot of them don't have a lot of experience. Um, and that yeah, can have it, a really negative impact, a huge makes, impact. Yeah, I, I believe that as a coach, you're best to coach around what you know well. Mm-hmm. However, I think the difference between uh, business coaching, what I do is, I, uh, it, it's morally wrong, in my opinion, to profess to talk about mental health with no real training. Yeah. You know, I think you could coach someone on how to run a salon through running a successful salon. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, I do get a little worried around people professing to be mental health workers and not really knowing enough yeah you know so let's get into this let's get into mental health what is it because do you know what (laughs) i think it's one of those that if i let's go back two years ago it was something that wasn't really sort of talked about yeah and it feels like to me that in the last couple of years those those two words have really come to the forefront rapidly yeah I I think about this like this like two years ago mental health I think was talked about but maybe not as widely Mm -hmm. the pandemic gave everybody a mental health that's what I always say (laughs) every you know that all even the people that used to be like didn't really think of themselves as someone who had any kind of mental health issues whatsoever um all of a sudden were a bit like what's happening here the pandemic's tricky and you start to think, I've actually got a mental health. Who even knew? You know, people who wasn't forefront of the mind, mm-hmm. whereas people who already were, were aware of their mental health, like me, you know, I've su- suffered with depression on and off for a long time. I knew, oh, I better dig deep now because this is a test. Yeah. <laughs> whereas for some people, it was a surprise that it was a test and, you know, their mental head fell off and they were just like, what's happening here? And so I feel that's why it came to the forefront um, and I think as hairdressers, we all sat there staring at our phones in lockdowns and, you know, there was me going, all right, folks, I've got some ideas for you. Um, but it became talked about on the news massively, didn't it? You know, the government talking about mental health and stuff like that. And so I feel that it really did. You're right. It got pushed to the forefront because of the pandemic, I would say. Yeah. And I think that that sits across a lot of things. So for me, it's like doing what you do now you've obviously really watched a dramatic increase this last couple of years. So obviously kind of as a result of it, Resilient Hairdresser has really sort of blossomed into what it is now. Um, I kind of look at it and think, right, but what does it look like? So for salon owners and for hairdressers, what does mental health look like in the salon? That's a good question. I I think about it like that. This is how I speak to hairdressers and salon owners which basically means people (laughs) how you feel you're going to bring that to work Mm -hmm. it is what it is like that's going to happen how you are as a person you take into the world and so what that means is we take it into salons 
And so that's just that. And so I believe that looking after people's mental health in all areas will help your salon. Because if your staff are happy, resourced and well-functioning, they're better hairdressers. Mm -hmm. Their chat is better. (laughs) The banter in the salon is better. They're not moaning uh, and getting into mutual moaning and stuff, you know, and all of that. Uh, But when you ask me what is mental health, it's a good question, isn't it? And I'm trying to think of a really succinct way of putting it, but without giving it, without, I haven't got loads of time to think about it. I just think your mental health is how you feel about yourself, Mm -hmm. but it's also a little bit about how you feel about the world. Yeah. I get, I I mean, I get existential, but when I'm not happy, I think the world's a bad place and it's against me. Mm -hmm. You know, my luck is terrible, you know, all of that sort of more uh, pessimistic outlook. And so what I say is the opposite. This is my opinion. My opinion that the opposite, the opposite of depression is hopefulness. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's happiness. I think it's hopeful. And I know that when I think about life and I feel hopeful for the future, I know I'm doing well. Because it's one of those, I mean, I think it, because it that word, because it gets banded around. And again, it's like whenever you type in. So earlier, while I was researching, we were like, right, okay, mental health. And examples are obviously depression. And then we talk about like anxiety disorders, you know, eating disorders, addictive yeah. behavior. Massive. And, yeah. And the thing is with it is it's, it is really all encompassing in so many different areas. And when you start to break them down, there's no really one specific thing. No, and, and I, I can think of another thing I could add to it is when your mental health isn't going great, you're mm-hmm. not thriving as a human. Mm-hmm. And so it's anything that prevents you from thriving mentally. You know, not physically thriving is a different thing. Yeah. You know, is that a good, does that explain it? Well, yeah, yeah, because I think, I mean, the thing that I've started to notice, particularly within the salon in the last few years is I've never seen people like I've, we talk to clients every day and we talk to clients, I would say generally really in depth, but I've never witnessed so many people putting so much onto us as stylists. And I've never seen my team in almost such a fragile state and things that would never normally bother them now bother them. Yes. I've got a lot to say about that. Yeah. And this, and this, and again, this leads me to, to, to hear. So for me, it's, you know, recognizing like those key signs that's happening, either happening to you or to happening to someone near you or one of your team. How do we recognize them? What are those things? I mean, I've got little bits here like sadness and irritability, but then there's so many more, but is that, is that something that we need to start teaching our team? to to really understand I I feel feel, feel a whole business on that you know essentially one of the big things I talk about a lot is burnout and so Mm -hmm. I suppose what you might be talking about is burnout um you're seeing hairdressers become burnt out Mm -hmm. which you know you could another word for that might be overwhelmed yeah and have no idea how to get out of that you know the hopelessness with the overwhelm is burnout, you know, that hopelessness is a strong sign. And so for me, how I feel that looks is increased anxiety. So for example, young, younger staff, I think it's always a little more prevalent in because Mm -hmm. they have less experience. Um, You know, it's that, 
looking at your column and the dread, you know, because you're like, it's busy. Oh, I'm not sure about her. And, you know, and that over, um, it's trying to be, when people try and over control their surroundings, it's because they're anxious. Yeah. And so when you can, you know, you start to see that where people are trying to over control their situation. So that's mm-hmm. definitely a sign someone is um, struggling. Resentment is a big thing that I look for. I always Resentment, really? Yeah. Where do you feel resentful? that's where that's a sign that's somewhere that's a good way of going that something needs to change there when you feel resentful usually you need a boundary a boundary is being poked (laughs) or too much is on you you know too much responsibility or a boundary is being prodded Uh, and so I'm always I always say to people joylessness and resentfulness are what we're looking for and that's they're the big red big big red flags for me for burnout Right. Because it's interesting because I was reading like a Harvard study and they were they were just talking about like those five stages. And it was like the initial sort of honeymoon phase. And then it was like the onset of sort of stress. And then it was like chronic stress. And then it was like, boom, you know, burnout fully hits you. But then the habitual burnout really kicks in. And and that's the hopelessness where you've got no you've got no idea. You've got no strategies. Yeah. And and the the reason I use the word the resilient hairdresser, resilience for me is about building your toolkit. And when you build your toolkit and you have lots of different coping strategies, you can go into situations and know that you will figure it out. You know that you can rely on yourself. Yeah. And I feel like that most of the time these days, quite often, you know, I just sort of wing it. I think it'll be all right. I know I'll be, I know I've, I know I know some stuff. I'll figure that out. You know, I've got some people skills. I know some stuff. All will be well. When I was 21, this was not me. I was over controlling the situation. You know, I was taking tubes of tint off the side and putting them in my pocket to make sure nobody else used it because I didn't know what I'd do at the end of the day. If it, you know, all these yeah. little things that was absolutely trying to manage my surroundings constantly. Um, my support network was poor. Mm-hmm. My coping strategies were rubbish. They were partying. That's all I had. That was my coping strategy in my twenties. You know, and it took me a long time to realise that I could boost that in myself. I did, I wasn't, I used to think that things just happened to me and I had to react. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I could become a resource person. Yeah. It took me a long and time. I think it's something, cause that's one of the things ultimately within hairdressing nowadays, we've got kind of a 50, 50 split in the salon of like youngsters and then more sort of senior, which is yeah. probably like most salons, yeah. I imagine. So mm-hmm. You tend to have, it's almost like the seniors have been through it. They, yes. Do you know what I mean? They, yes. They've been through it. They've maybe been got around married. the block they've a few times. T- yeah. So yeah. things don't really get to them in the same way. Whereas definitely the sort of 18 year olds up to even like mid thirties that maybe haven't had as many experiences. Those are the ones that I've really noticed, particularly yes. this last period are the real they chip away and the little things really blow up into absolutely volcano eruptions and actually when you take a step back they're not that they're not that big no these people are terrified yeah insecure in the world they're stressed and they feel unresourced Uh, and one of the things that i talk to salon owners about is creating a safe environment where people know that they're supported and that you know they they know you've got their back 
Yeah. And I think I thought when I came up against this, when I thought when I learned this, uh, what's the word I want here? When I learned this strategy, mm-hmm. I, I reflected on the salons that I've worked in, and in very few did I feel that. Right. Particularly when I was young, mm-hmm. and that is, and that explains why I was that hairdresser having a fit because someone had booked it in wrong you know all the things that we do like I lost it because I wasn't sure I could cope and I didn't know if anyone was going to look after me if I didn't cope and so how I approach this is a I want to resource the hairdressers from the bottom up but another thing is I want to resource the salon owners to create good supportive healthy cultures yeah it's really interesting approach you know yeah it's really interesting that because I don't know about you, I'm I'm a I'm a book fiend. I absolutely yeah. love reading, and for me now, what I learned from that, and again, I'm reading a brilliant book that's all about you know culture generally, is that it doesn't matter whatever you do. The simple thing for creating an amazing culture is having a safe place. Yes, we've read Ult- the same ultimately book. that's it. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, and but it's amazing how many people and it and. The only thing, and this is in your experience, obviously you go to lots of salons, so you work with lots of salons. I I think within our business, we've created this safe culture. I feel like I'm like the dad and I take care of everyone, but it is still very difficult to really get them to understand that and actually grasp it. Mm -hmm. And you, you do have to go through a lot of hoops to get there. So within your toolkit, what would be like the key tools that you think salon owners should should use to can you say that. a little bit more about that though so i understand what you're asking me properly yeah. so um, when you say what is it you're struggling to get them to grasp and when you say them you mean staff don't you yeah so yeah as a salon so owner what are you I, I think sometimes as a as a team i think as much as you can tell them you need, what is the way to show them that they are in this safe place because as much as I think as a salon owner we do a lot of the telling but actually what can we do to really show them that they're in a safe space well you've got to model it you know like you model the behavior it's a lot like being a parent you know Mm -hmm. kids are just watching what you do Mm -hmm. and so staff are watching what you do and they want to see you walk the walk Mm -hmm. not just talk the talk and so they're going to be paying attention yeah. yeah, you say that, but you don't mean it. And so to some degree, you, you, I, I sort of talk to salon owners about um, really defining their culture. This is what we believe in this salon. This is what I will give you and this is what I expect. That's how you build a culture. Mm-hmm. And so I think you just have to, you, you can have your golden rules, you know, um, and things like that you've got to find fun ways you know but in this salon we believe this on the wall one two three four and five mm-hmm. I do think you've got to just repeat yourself yeah and, yeah and you know when those tough times happen you've got to show up and you've really got to do what you said you were going to do it's interesting because that 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 leads me to here so at the minute as an employer and, and I've chatted to light, a bit like you. I've, I've been talking to lots of people in the industry over the last couple of weeks, particularly. Um, is there still kind of a lack of empathy when it comes to being an employer, potentially with employees and, and their mental health? Because a lot of the time, 
I always think if um, one of your team is maybe experiencing, um, maybe they woke up in the morning and they cannot get their head off the pillow. They have no motivation. There's nothing there. Your team will generally, instead of actually saying to you, look, boss, this is how I feel. They'll probably just say, I've got a cold and I can't come in today. And and I, I just wonder whether employers are still in that sort of frame of mind, whereas they don't really want to hear it. It's like we don't really believe it. Oh, I, I feel that there's a, di- I mean, I don't want to say a divide. What I mean is there's people like that and there's people that aren't. Now, yeah. on a daily basis, I come across the salon owners that aren't mm-hmm. <laughs> because the people that hire me aren't like that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> So I see a real positive side to that. Yeah. I see a lot of salon owners who are very switched on and they realize that having a lot of understanding around this and putting this into the culture that it's, you know, to kind of phrase it's okay to not to be okay is I meet salon owners like that. Mm-hmm. However, I want to add to that. I mean, it's okay it's not to be okay, but we all got to still, we've all got a job to do still. And yeah. so there's a real fine line here between. I will look after you in the capacity as a boss, but I'm not your mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have some ownership as a human being to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, it's not the salon owner's job to do everything. Uh, and, and really the salon owners that I often come across are the ones that are doing everything. Yeah. They're overgivers. I, they're overgivers. Yeah. And do you know what? Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because I would generally put myself in that. I And, and there's yes. been times recently where I'm like, I can't, can't keep being like that anymore because you're going to struggle and that often what often what happens is salon owners come to me because they're burnt out and then what i scratch is oh guess what you're an overgiver and that leads me to to here (laughs) so again it's like flipping that same question do employees sometimes have a lack of empathy for the owner because actually i think certainly my experience in the last couple of years is that you have that, you know, swan and duck analogy and you are all beautiful on the surface, but underneath your little legs are going 10 to a dozen because you're trying to keep the business afloat. You're trying to keep those bums on seats. You're marketing the business. You're Mm. doing all of it. And you keep telling the team it's okay. Don't worry. We're 10 grand down this month, but don't worry. We're going to be okay. And, and, is there a bit of it where you sometimes as a salon owner, you just want the team to just grasp a little bit and be like, Oh, I mean, every salon, owner, <laughs> every salon owner in the world says that to me. Yeah. Why don't they realise how hard I'm working for them? And I just think, you know, I put it bluntly, they don't care. Yeah. Like, remember when you were employed, did you care? <laughs> I, you know, I mean, I, I say this to salon owners a lot and they're like, I, I did not care. And I think, You've got to let go of the fact that, you know, employees are like, well, I do this and what do I get? Yeah. Because otherwise you'd be Mm self-employed. You know, you're employed. And so that's, as a salon owner, I think to some degree, you've got to learn to let go of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it it can be quite a selfless thing being a salon owner. It is, 100%. No, it's it's lonely. It's like parents, it's lonely. Now, what I'm all about is peer support. So Mm -hmm. how I would address that is, I would want you to come into a peer support group with other salon owners Yeah, where you can moan to them a little bit. I don't have too much moaning, but I allow some moaning because mm-hmm. you've got to vent. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I want to vent and then get myself together. 
Yeah. That's how I operate. And when you're not allowed to vent, I don't like it because that's like ro happy robots. No, thank you. And so I feel as you become a leader at the top, it's lonely at the top. You've got to surround yourself with With other leaders. Yeah, massively. That's where you get your support because when you start leaning on your staff for support, you've got boundary problems and you will pay for that in your business Mm -hmm. with stress. Yeah. And it's true. You'll become become, um, disrespected. You'll get disrespected. Yeah, it's true. And actually that's then when massive action gets taken, you know, because of that, because you have to kind of set the bar again, you know. Yeah. And And it's hard because in general, most of the people and salon owners that I speak to, they've had the salon 20 years, Mm -hmm. you know, and when we start to try and change a culture or bring in new ideas, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like swimming in mud. It's difficult and it's slow. Whereas those lucky people who come to me and like, I'm opening a salon next week. Well, they're going to be laughing because they can start as they mean to go on. Whereas a lot of us, that's just not how the world works. Yeah. I had um, in my podcast last week, uh, I had a 18 ways to have a better 2022. And (laughs) one of them is, um, I think it was 17 or 16 is leadership is the problem, but leadership is also the solution. Sixes and sevens can't, can't look after eights and nines. So just level your shit up and get better. And, and, and that, and I think that's a big part of our industry is that there's a lot of people that unfortunately have found themselves running salons and actually they don't have the experience sometimes with the other staff that are within it. So you have to, you have to step up, but you know, but also it, it takes a lot. And for those people having that support network is, is a huge thing. Certainly having massive, isn't it? great friends around you but also again peers within the industry yeah because your friends are bored to death like my friends are bored to death of my business they don't care about lead magnets and uh what podcast i was talking on they couldn't give a toss well you know they're just like whatever Haley's a hairdresser i think not really sure what she does now whereas i have peers that i talk to yeah and that's a beautiful thing so what would okay as an industry what do you think are things that you think would really help us improve us now moving forwards? Because I think we've still got quite a lot of traditional ways yeah. of working. So what do you think are things that as an industry we could do to, to improve? And is it quite big change that you think sort of businesses need now? Well, some do and some don't, you know, yeah. so that's difficult to say. I think some new need drastic action, mm-hmm. um, but they never come to me. And <laughs> um, and some just need little bits of help, you know, and I think it's really varied. But I would put it in this way. I'll tell you about the changes I want to see mm-hmm. as opposed to what I think is necessary, because that's sort of difficult to say. Yeah. But I've, I've narrowed it down to a couple of things. I'm all interested in healthy cultures in salons because I think there's a lot of toxic cultures in salons. Yeah. You know, when I think about the places I worked in, particularly when I was younger, I would describe them as quite toxic environments that possibly weren't operating to the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. You know, and that and that has repercussions on staff's well-being. You know, I remember as an assistant if a hairdresser decided to take an extra client on at the end of the day, guess what? My day got an hour longer, you know? So I want healthy cultures that respect mm-hmm. working rights and laws, um, but also more than that, because that's basic, you know, I shouldn't even be asking for that. Uh, but I want healthy cultures where we're thinking about people's well-being, because when people are well 
they work better. Yeah, you know? 100%. All of that. So that's quite simple. And I want to see burnout eradicated in the hairdressing industry. So I do, I, I talk to hairdressers every week. I have a thing called five questions. And I talk to hairdressers and ask them all the same five questions. And the first question is, have you ever been burnt out? Okay, 54 people I've interviewed so far. Three said no. Really? Yeah. I've, I've, it's one of those. I, I'll be honest, I've never had anything like that until just before Christmas this year. Yeah. And, and it was only when I, I started to get these the signs like my sleep started to go crazy I started to drink more yeah. I then started to get a bit more aggravated with things that don't normally I yeah. brought it home to my children yeah. and suddenly it was like this is not good yeah and this that's it's, I to see that as you're overwhelmed yeah and you're out of ideas mm. and so you start working harder and then you're knackered you know yeah it's it's sad isn't it but I want to see burnout I think burnout's the dirty secret of the hair industry. Mm-hmm. And I've outed it now. <laughs> I like to think that it's, I want it not to, first of all, it needs to stop being the dirty little secret. Yeah. And we all admit it's a thing. And then as a, and then as an industry, particularly the leaders, we work to create environments that don't encourage burnout. Yeah. I, in hairdressing in my early days, I was encouraged to burn out. That's mm-hmm. how I would put it. I was taught how to burn out really well. It's the model, I isn't it? I've had fun with that for years. Bums on seats, folks. Yeah, yeah, Customers that's always it. always right. Lunchtime, winners don't have lunches. Yeah. Uh, all of that, you know, and, and I just think it's old school and tiresome. Mm-hmm. It's outdated. It's boring. Yeah. It's daft. <laughs> and that's why I think this is probably one of the biggest things that came out of lockdown is I, I again, I've never spoke to so many hairdressers and I'm really, really hoping that there becomes a shift in the industry that yeah. we charge more. We take maybe a little bit more time. We take breaks when we need to. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't always have to fit that client in, like you said, at like yes. seven o'clock in the evening. They can wait for a week. It's they really can. not the end of the world. And I have a caveat to that as well, because I've kind of figured out that at the roots of all problems of hairdressers is. Uh, if I put my prices up, my clients will leave. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, that's that's a big worry for the yeah, hair huge. industry. Um, however, I come across a lot of hairdressers who have never done the numbers. And so they 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 live in this fear that they're skin. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, so when I, I teach Burnout and Boundaries, this course, one of the things I say is, don't tell me you can't afford it if you've not done your numbers. Like, don't, don't give me that. And if you do your numbers, often people realize they're doing better than they thought. Yeah. And sometimes they learn they're not even earning minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And you're actually paying people. I figured out once upon a time I was paying someone to do their hair. Mm-hmm. I was undercharging so drastically. Yeah. And one, and I feel that a lot of the way I think we've been undercharging as an industry for years. Oh God, hugely. And now people have decided what value they want to put on hairdressing. Everyone does that anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got an upwards number that I'm happy to pay for my hair. Uh, and my mum's got one and they're different. Yeah. And, you know, and you've got one and what have you, you know. And there's a value people put on their hair and we can't do much about that. Whatever people decide to value it at, when they say you're too expensive, what they say is, I prefer to spend my money on holidays. Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. I think or that's, wine, I think that's why 
there should always be potentially now almost like a universal benchmark. I mean, I've, I found some salons the other day, some <laughs> groups, and they were no joke. They were complete. They were literally talking about 27 quid or something for a haircut. And I was I like, I was messaging so many of them going, what are you doing? Yes. Like, and they're fear-based. They're <sighs> terrified. Just terrified. Sad. So sad. And it's, 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 it, I find it sad. And I find it, I have such empathy because the fear in these people that they are going to lose their livelihood mm-hmm. is massive. Yeah. Um, and it's terrifying. But I also think if people are raising up now and it's you will get left behind. And, you know, like someone was saying, um, oh, if I ask for deposits, my clients will leave. And I said, if you don't ask for deposits, sooner or later, you're going to have all the difficult clients. Yeah. It wouldn't give anyone else a deposit. And they came to your door and yeah. you're going to have days and days of difficult people, you know. I like to give people a couple of hoops to jump through before they can work for me. As no, I think that's good. And the thing is with it, I think is actually, um, I thought I was going to end up chatting to you for a long, long time because I think there's a lot of things that we could discuss in depth. So I think we'll have to have a part two. No problem. Uh, <laughs> um, I what I like to do during this part of the show is I always do this final five. And right. obviously your five questions. So uh, I was like- Are your do... five always the same, your final five? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's exciting. Yeah. So I always do final five. Um, and actually, it's been quite interesting so far, some of the answers. So probably a bit like your show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, okay, what's the biggest thing that you've learned in the last 12 months? Tech. Tech, excellent. <laughs> I've learned to work more tech than I ever imagined. I didn't even do computers at school. I was not interested. I was hairdresser, creative. I've learned a lot of tech. Yeah, well, that's that's great. I mean, I think yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you in that department because all this stuff I've got in this room now is ridiculous. Yeah, um, that's that's my biggest learning curve at the moment. What's the what's the first thing you do in the morning, and then the last thing you do before you go to bed? I have a coffee first thing in the morning, and yeah. I sit on the couch and I get my head together for a couple of hours. <laughs> I have a slow morning, and so what I do, and sometimes you'll see it on my Instagram. There's a picture of a coffee in my cat. And you can see a blanket on my knee. And that's me sat on my recliner with a coffee. And I'm answering messages, posting on my Instagram, Mm -hmm. making sure I've spoke to everyone I'm supposed to and getting a plan for my day. And even if I'm coaching at 10, I'll tell you, there's still two hours of that beforehand. I just get up earlier to make sure it happens. So that's that's what I do first thing. I I like like a pint of coffee (laughs) and I attend to my messages. And before you go to bed? Oh, I watched Happy Telly. Do you? <laughs> yeah, I watched something like, I, I, I like dark dramas, you know, yeah. like Ozark and, you know, what have you. Um, but I don't like to go to sleep on it. Um, and I always like to finish it off with a little something fun. A little happy jingle. A little happy something at the end, you know, 30 minutes of something fun. And so yeah. generally speaking, yeah, I'll have watched something funny. Need to do that before you go to bed. Uh, Let's have a little look. Favourite piece of advice and possibly the worst you've had? Well, one of my favourite sort of sayings and the best advice I ever heard was be care of people who who don't clap when you're winning. Mm -hmm. I really like like that. that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I think careful of that, folks. Yeah. Um, Careful of the people in your circle that aren't really rooting for you. Yeah. What's the worst? I don't know about the worst advice I've ever had. Probably bums on seats. Yeah. <laughs> Squeeze them in your lunch break. Go on, keep working, <laughs> keep working. Um, yeah, don't put your prices up, that and sort of thing. What's one thing that you can't possibly live without? Friends. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Love that. I've had so many people say phones. Oh, get a grip. I know. So that's great. Well done. I love it. Friends. Exactly. I love it. Um, and then I always tend to do um, possibly uh, a rule or a law that you think we should all abide by. Okay. I, I've got, I have a strong suggestion. <laughs> I can't get on board with real, but I have a strong suggestion that I make to all my clients mm -hmm. and everyone. It comes up, I do it on Instagram every now and again, but I really think it's a very smart idea to find 30 minutes of silence in your day to get your head together. And now I like this to be when you're, let's say, walking or driving, something that you can do on autopilot. Mm -hmm. And when you occupy the bit of your brain that's like driving or just making sure you don't trip up, it allows this bigger bit of your brain to go, oh, now, right, let's sort all the problems out. Let's put them, let's figure it out and put them files away. And if you give yourself 30 minutes of that every day, when your head hits the pillow, your brain won't go, now, is it now? <laughs> I like that. That's really great. And so I, mean, that's I, I, that I try and live by that. Yeah. And I recommend I suggest it strongly as a good idea. <laughs> and it sits really nicely alongside sort of meditation. And again, that time. Yeah. And I, I'm struggle with meditation. I'm not a great person for standing, you know, sitting still and being like, mm -hmm. right. And so I found what we're, and I find so many people are like that. Mm -hmm. And then we think we're terrible meditators. And so for me, this is kind of what I do. Yeah. Silence. It's the silence, but it's with the doing. It, the I've... doing's important. Yeah, the subconscious kind of doing. Yeah, I love so that. Knitting, occupying the busy bit of your brain. Give it a little task. So, Haley, the resilient hairdresser. Where yeah. can our amazing listeners find you on social? Well, I, yeah, I live on Instagram. I have a presence on Facebook, and I'm going to be honest, I'm a bit rubbish on Facebook. <laughs> and what's the website? My website is, um, you know, www.resilienthairdresser.com.co.uk. If you just put resilient hairdresser into Instagram, I come up. If you put it into Google, I come up. <laughs> they can Excellent. DM you and say, where do I find her? Well, it's been amazing chatting to you today. Oh, thank you. I, I have really enjoyed chatting. it. And <laughs> it's I think, great. I, I think it's definitely a part two on its way because I think I've got a lot of things that we probably didn't cover that I'd love to cover oh I'd um, love to I love doing this right we'll get that in the diary um <laughs> I will talk to you very soon and um, for those of you that have been listening to the show today thank you ever so much uh you know where to find me and I will be chatting to you very very soon take care